0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We finally heard some words from Deshaun Watson from his own perspective about what's gone on with his injury We have all those updates. We have all the updates from other injuries on the Browns heading into the practice week as well as updates on what the Colts are facing and then some long-term discussion about what the offense looks like, the timetable for Watson's return and then the defense and whether they can keep up this historic pace. All that and more with Andrew Spade on the latest OBR Film Breakdown. They go heavy, Harrison Bryant now under center. Bryant, hits left, Kareem Hunt, 15, first down, 10. Hunt at the 5, Hunt into the end zone!
0: Snap is down, the kick
1: is up, the kick is... No good! It's no good! And the Browns will beat the 49ers, 19-17! He pushed it wide! What's up, everybody? Welcome into your Thursday show. It's going to be a little different because we were unable to get our own corresponding Jordan Zerm day-to-day with baseball playoff commitments. We, we were unable to steal Jordan. We're, we're hoping he'll be back with us next week. It's all, it's, it's all rest thing for him. He's just got to rest up and get his mind right and everything, and then he'll be back with us. Sounds a little familiar, Andrew, to what we're going to be talking about today, you know?
2: Well, you got to worry about rust, too. When, you, when you, you, you know you're that long in the baseball world and you're not used to the speed of the game, you come back and i mean he's gonna let's let's be honest he's gonna get hurt you know i mean if he if he comes back with baseball takes after four weeks in 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 that world and comes back to a football podcast he's yeah he's gonna pull something
1: wait till he sees his pff grade you know that's what i got that's what i got for him they have not been kind (laughs) we have some updates on injuries we should hit on as we start today and really we're a large part of the conversation is going to be built around this guys because it is the single biggest piece of brown's news now Uh, We're not going to hit on uh, buy, sell deadline stuff, the names that keep floating out there. Maybe maybe we'll hit on those as the week arrives that those, uh, you know, the deadline hits. But for now, we want to talk about really what's rooted in reality for the Browns. So, um, you know, updates we get of the first day of practice here. You get your usual DMPs that are not injury related rest guys. Amari Cooper and Miles Garrett. Uh, Dustin Hopkins is on that list. And then Dalvin Tomlinson also on this, that list. And I think after how well Dalvin played Sunday, he could probably deserve a couple Take the uh, week off, take a day or two off. Right. He played so well. Yeah. Uh, injury related did, uh, DNP. So these are guys who obviously are these are important to be tracking throughout the week. You have Harrison Bryant who's dealing with the hip, who's again, maybe not what you expected, but is an important part of the offense here this season. Kareem Hunt dealing with a thigh issue. Greg Newsome dealing with a hamstring. Anthony Walker's in concussion protocol does not feel like he will be back this week. It'll be a long shot. And then uh, Deshaun Watson still with the right shoulder. And then Joel Batonio was limited, so good to see Joel back out there. And then Cedric Tillman with the hip is a uh, full go. So he'll, he'll be back. On the, on the Colts side of things, not a very long list. Important offensive lineman Braden Smith is out. Uh, he did not practice with a hip wrist injury. Uh, talented second-year receiver Alec Pierce has a shoulder. He didn't practice corner Tony Brown. Dealing with the back, he didn't practice, and then tight end their their primary tight end, uh, Kylan Granson uh, is in concussion protocol as well. He did not practice, so that's all we know about the injury situation for them. On the other side, it's it is unfortunate, Andrew, kind of ironic that they're dealing with something similar. Anthony Richardson did confirm that he would be going on, um, onto you know the end of his season with the with the AC. So he's got a massive AC joint issue that they're going to go in and surgically repair. So his season is done. And um, you know, as I talk to some people from Indy, and I'll do that on the show tomorrow. It's a uh, what a wild roller coaster of emotion for like this guy's an unbelievable player. Concussion protocol comes back, does really well, hurts that shoulder. I know you were really high on him, so not to get off on a Colts tangent here, but that's that's a bummer because he's he's re- he, the the early tape is is really fun on Richardson, man. So I'm not I'm not even bummed that we don't get to see him because he's so dangerous, but. Uh, it mm-hmm. sucks to have a good talent, a good young talent, uh, you know, have a season in so abruptly.
2: Yeah, I think the fear as as a team, you know, opposing the Colts was that you kind of could tell based on the early tape that he, would, he was going to have a week. Eventually, like any rookie quarterback, CJ Stroud's done it already. He was going to have one of those weeks where it's like, oh, this is a, this guy's a dude. And it felt like that could have been against the Browns. So you dodge that bullet potentially. But in terms of just love of the game, I am really sorry for Anthony Richardson because I think he was on his way, if he could have stayed healthy, to being as impactful as what C.J. Stroud has been in Houston. And the idea of the Colts and the Texans both hitting on rookie quarterbacks in the same year in the same division is just so fun. The Jaguars are vulnerable. Trevor Lawrence has been up and down. uh you know, if the, if the those teams could have both had that happening, that the division kind of takes on this Wild West thing. And it would just be kind of must-see TV every week. And instead, it's, you know, it's it's a year in a holding pattern for Colts fans, which has got to be tough because you, you've got to taste. And now you got to wait it out. You know, of course, then you see people talking about, can they pair, can they find a, a wide receiver to pair with Anthony Richardson at the top of next year's draft, you know, to kind of, but, Did they give up their first, as I'm doing this, I'm realizing, did they trade away their, no, they didn't. They stayed pat, right? So, yeah. So they, they'll have a top good good spot. Yeah. Yeah. They'll likely have another top 10 pick. And so can they find a wide receiver or maybe it's Brock Bowers that, you know, they pair with this tight end and then, and then next year it's like, (laughs) look out.
1: Yeah. They're fun. I think the thing with Richardson is like to have two pretty meaningful injuries, that quickly and it's like the equation of body size to durability right because he's a freak of nature body size wise but dealing with those injuries, she's got to be smarter is the moral of the story so I hope he can because he's got unique ability some of the throws he made man the ball like literally pops out of that guy's hand in a way that is super unique so again switching back to the Browns and talking about throwing the football we have to hit on Deshaun Watson right so he finally got up in front of the media for the first time in a nearly four week span to give us information on his own perspective of what's happened. And Andrew, to me, there's audio that I want to play that is the only piece of information that mattered in terms of new things we didn't know about. Right. He said all the same things day to day, rest, learning from people, you know, the doctors, blah, blah, blah. But the thing that struck me the most interesting was when he said how they handled the first week after the injury. Right. Right they he did not say specifically let's do this I'll play the clip for you and then we'll come back from the clip and then we'll talk about what he said so we're going to play that for you right now there was a process here to figure out what was going on in the severity and how long you'd have to rest
3: it and stuff like that yeah I mean we didn't figure out until that Saturday the day uh, before the Ravens game so you know all week it was just swelling bruise and then once the swelling can go down that's when we got the MRI and the MRI came back and we found out Saturday evening, you know, it was a rotator cuff. And um, usually you sit out, but, you know, I told, you know, the people, the medical staff as a, as a whole that, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, Sunday morning and let's try to get there early and, and work out. And we did that and, you know, we couldn't go.
1: Are you concerned that this is going to linger at all this year that's going to affect your passing through the season? Or do you think that you'll be 100% at some point
3: uh, this year? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I got. This is my first time dealing with a rotator cuff, so uh, I'm just trying to get as comfortable as I possibly can to go out there and perform at the the level I know I can. And if I can't, then you know we just got to continue to take it day to day. You know I'm not going to put the team in jeopardy if I can't do certain things that is going to allow us to you know be handicapped in certain situations. So um, you know that's the reason why I haven't been able to you know step on the field.
2: Do you know what play
3: it happened on? Uh, it was the, the RDT play. No, nah, I wasn't that one. Uh, it was a play on the goal line. It was right before Jerome scored. It's just really just day to day. It just kind of when it heals on its own, you know. And I think that's the that's the tricky part about it. It's one of those deals where it's no different than you know a Sprinter having a hamstring. It's just one of those deals where it's day to day. When it when it heals, it heals. Um, you know, from the research I've been doing and talking with the staff, I guess rotator cuts are usually four to six weeks. Um, I you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Like I said, it's my first time dealing with it. So uh, I'm just making sure I want to do it right. So I don't have any problems later on.
1: So he doesn't mention them getting an immediate MRI, not to say that he didn't get one. He could have just failed to mention that. But what it sounds like to me, Andrew, is he gets hurt on that quarterback counter near the goal line, third quarter plays through it, adrenaline carries him. And then he has this and he said he felt it during the game, like he he noticed it during the game like it's not like it was like oh after the game i'm putting my shirt on and i noticed it. no he noticed it during the game but he was able to like he said adrenaline his way through it so he doesn't get an mri they go through the week there's clearly swelling discomfort they think it must just be some sort of non-rotator cuff issue to me like the general point is i'm not trying to to throw too much on the medical staff but if we're to believe what watson is saying he is saying that on Saturday evening is the first time they thought this was off. We're going to get an MRI. And then after the MRI, he still goes out and tries to throw Sunday morning. So the thing I'm led to believe, Andrew, is they didn't even diagnose this injury until late Saturday into Sunday. And in the question becomes, Well, first of all, it's clear to me that the why there was confusion on the whether he would play or not. If the medical staff doesn't think it's something serious enough to even MRI and then like Kevin believing them and they're telling Deshaun the swelling will go down late in the week and you'll be able to play. Like to me, that's that's pretty clear, uh, clearly a misstep, clearly some sort of screw up there to the point that then when they get the MRI, have they done more damage because they've had him throwing a little bit and doing different things that could have flamed this thing in a way that now we're seeing the four to six week timeline playing itself out. I just couldn't believe that they, they were unable to diagnose this thing until Saturday night. Now maybe the swelling has to go down to which I understand, but the only way to get the swelling to go down in my mind is to not have him throwing at all. And he was out there trying to throw on Thursday, Friday a little bit, I just like i'm thinking that they 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 really botched this for a week before they got into an understanding of what the injury is, and now we're sort of seeing this timeline play out in a way that there is no there is no surgery for like th- this is just a rest thing like it's a rest thing, and this week they were trying to rush him back. you wonder how much damage that really did to 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 sort of start the process of healing you know what i mean
2: I do and I think it's a it's a very you know, well-stated concern, I think it, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that are tired of us kind of going back to this, but I, I think unfortunately there's a good chance that this injury for Deshaun Watson and the, how it was handled over that first week is the most consequential piece of the Brown season. Uh, Because I, you know, we could talk about the defense in a little bit and we will, this is it. Doesn't feel like, based on what Watson is talking about, that this is going to go away. Even as it gets to a point where he can manage it and throw and participate in games, it doesn't feel like he's going to be, you know, a hundred percent. Truly a hundred percent. Now maybe there's a there's a procedure that I'm not aware of that they can go in off season and get him back, and and you know he, there that becomes an off season storyline to follow. But between now and the end of the season, whenever that is for the Browns it doesn't feel like there's a path to this being something he doesn't feel, at least to some extent, right? Because it, it, it's involved in the throwing motion. It's fundamentally involved in the throwing motion. He's talking yesterday multiple times, repeating himself, I can't control the ball. I can't, I can't be accurate with the ball. I can't drive the ball outside of the numbers down the field. So that, that sounds like if he were to have played even last week, he would have been throwing everything over the middle of the field within ten yards. Well, we're three weeks out from the injury, and and it doesn't sound like things are progressing that quickly. I certainly don't expect him to play Sunday against Indianapolis. So now you've now you've missed three games, four weeks, right? Because we, we will be Sunday, we will be four weeks out from this injury. Yep. He said four to six weeks in this press conference later in terms of rotator cuff. So does he come back? Next week, going to Seattle? Do they wait until the home game against the Cardinals? These are the questions we're asking. And then, what does that look like? So, as much as it doesn't feel good off of the best win of the Kevin Stefanski era to be talking about what happened before the bye week, digging this stuff back up, I agree. I'm not thrilled to be doing it either. But I think some hard questions should be asked of the coach at some point. What did your training staff know and when? Yeah. You know, what, what, did they, what did they see on the initial MRI if there was one after the game? What did they say on Monday? How much throwing did Deshaun Watson do during the week? Because if he worsened an injury because they didn't know how to treat it, that's about as bad as you can do in, the, in an NFL training setting. If you, if you have a player that, with rest, could have returned against San Francisco... But instead, he threw a bunch throughout the week and worsened the injury. So now he's missing four to six weeks. This is the most important player on the team. You've guaranteed him $230 million. And I th- I think, Jake, people will say, I am overreacting. I guarantee you, somebody will say, you are overreacting. I don't care. There's a chance this becomes a lingering issue for Deshaun Watson as a player. It's
3: well, just, yeah. it's just
2: there's a chance. It's the rotator cuff. He's throwing the ball. This, This ruins baseball players' careers
1: all the time yeah I mean like again what you said is exactly my concern I I had to I didn't listen to that press conference until later in the evening and I sat up in my chair like why are we not discussing the fact that you had Deshaun and the head coach being very cavalier the first week of this injury about he'll be fine he's going to play essentially is what they said Who's telling them that there's only one thing? There's only one entity that's giving them the confidence to say that. That's the people treating the injury, and if they didn't even treat it right until Saturday night when they finally got an MRI on it and gave some sort of diagnosis, that would make sense why there's the te- the group is getting together for the first time. If they if they literally did the imaging Friday, sorry Saturday night, and then the first time they actually got together was when Deshaun tried to throw on the field on Sunday morning, and that very popular video Andrew comes out of Kevin Deshaun and Andrew Barry and all of them talking. It's very easy to see why there's some frustration from Kevin or those involved because it's like we've been misled and you can see why the game plan would have struggled the preparation would have struggled and I think that I'm just like process of deduction here and again like you said we're not loving to bring this up but when the first time you hear from the quarterback and you get a big chunk of uh, of information like this from him you have to discuss it like the biggest thing here is like <laughs> to me the, the it's you get a you get more of an understanding of why the game plan for Baltimore was botched and you start to stress, like you said, of this injury lingering throughout the rest of the season, and I think that that, at a minimum, is concerning. Especially, which was what we're going to talk about coming out of the break here in a minute. The play style of the quarterback, too, where you know somebody like Drew Brees has this injury. Well, Drew Brees is a get rid of the football guy, as we know. Deshaun Watson, he is not a get rid of the football guy. So we're going to talk about that coming out of the break and what the burden that puts on everybody else around the organization. And I and I think this is. like again singular most important thing moving forward is how this is going to shake out so we have to hit on it we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and talk about the defense around this talk about the, the the backup quarterback situation and then a little more on Deshaun who he is and how he manages this so uh again we'll be right back word from our sponsor
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Andrew, so the biggest thing for me with Deshaun Watson, what he needed to get back to, have a chance to get back to the 2020 version, was just playing. He needed he needed to play. He needed to get game reps. You miss a year and a half the way he did just getting out there, playing, getting comfortable with how defenses are, are playing in the 2022-23 20, year. Like all of that was the most important thing to me. The guy just had to play. As you get back comfortable playing, you get some camaraderie built with your head coach, play caller, then you can see how all of this comes together over time. But when he's now missing a month of football, not just missing a month of games, missing a month of practices – combined with that you start to get really really concerned about what it looks like because i think people have told themselves andrew this is going to hit the ground running he's going to come back for whatever game arizona uh you know seattle arizona whatever maybe the ravens following that and it's just going to be boom deshaun's back no He's dealing with a new injury that he's never had before, and he's taken now an additional month to month and a half away from football. So then it says, okay, what's the ramp-up period? Now we're talking about we're halfway through the season. You spend another quarter of the season as your ramp up. Now maybe that all works out, and you can click by the end of the year, but this is where you have to start talking about expectations for the offense, which were high coming into the season, and now have to be reeled back, tempered back in a way that's very serious because this quarterback is dealing with something that is impactful. And like I said before the break, he is not a quarterback that is a quick delivery process throw get you know keep people off of you quarterback he invites pressure he invites hits at times it's actually drove me crazy Andrew how many times he could just throw the football away in chaos but he takes a a, a hit that is so unnecessary to the process that it's it's exposed him to just getting beat up so I guess my question for you Andrew is do you see a world in which Deshaun Watson successfully navigates a very tender shoulder Because the play style, and he even talked about this today, that he didn't want to come back until he felt he could play the way he wants to play because I think, to me, that tied into the fact that like, he doesn't really know how to play any other way than the way he does, which is, again, welcoming chaos at times, trying to extend plays to make throws downfield. Like, to me, that's a concern. He's just not – he could do it, but he's not wired the way that you would love your quarterback to be wired when dealing with something that is just basically keep guys from hitting you, right? He's at the position – that welcomes a level of security about people hitting you, right? This injury for like a, a tight end or a running back is, is completely different, right? But for him dealing with people hitting him and he, he does seem to welcome that at times it does raise concern for like, he comes back week nine, eight, sorry, that's a little down the road, week eight and he re injures it, re aggravates it. Like that's a big concern that, that probably won't be discussed enough. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I think there's there's sort of two parts here, right? One is how he adapts his play style to protect himself to uh, mitigate the risks of this, and then there's a different conversation about what we as you know fans and observers, analysts, whatever you want to call us, um, can glean from the rest of his season because he's going to come back at some point this season. We hope, right? He's he's going to play more, and I think so. So let I, I want to talk about that first or or maybe only because that's what's most important to me here the number one thing that we have been looking for for the 2023 season is clarity about Deshaun Watson who he is as a quarterback what his fit in the Kevin Stefanski offense is and and what that ceiling is because that tells you where the Browns can go they have you know we we're, we're talking big picture stuff here they have a 2 year Super Bowl window on the, based on the way they've constructed this roster. And there are, there are going to be some tough decisions coming down the road for this team, right? There are players that whose contracts will expire over the next two years that the Browns will have to decide which ones. They will not be able to keep everybody. So they'll have to decide which ones to, to bring back. That speaks to the financial situation changing. Now, I'm not saying that they're in cap trouble, because I think they've proven that they're very adept at managing that, but they are up against it. And so they will be using every trick in the book to manage the salary cap. And that means that when you are in this mode of managing money, moving money around, you need to be seeing results on the field because that's why you're doing all of this. So we need to know what is their ceiling? What is the best version of Deshaun Watson now because I think we're all willing to accept that it might not be what we saw in 2020 he might have been gone from the game too long he might have you know changed you know as a person psychologically who knows right it might not be the same and we're willing to accept that but what we need to know is what what the new expectation is you need clarity the word I will use here is clarity and this shoulder injury this rotator cuff injury remove so much of the ability to derive clarity from the rest of this season because you you go right back to 2021. It was a different injury for Baker Mayfield, other shoulder, AC joint on that shoulder, but it was the same conversation. We had a nauseating number of conversations about, is that throw because he can't see it? Is that throw because his shoulders hurt? Is that throw because he doesn't trust the scheme? It was just... Welcome back. Exactly. It was a minefield. Yeah and i don't think people I, I understandably nobody wants to think about what that's going to feel like to have that conversation again but that's where we're headed because the first time he misses something over the middle of the field and kind of you know moves his shoulder a little bit you're going to have people in your replies saying well he's hurt he can't play and then you're going to have other people saying if he can't play now can he ever you know and it's going to be the exact same thing and what we won't have jake is clarity I, and so i'm not trying to be now I hope, to go back to the conversation about how he mitigates this, I hope that he is able to adapt his play style a little bit, find the check down a little bit faster, and he is able to return in a way that this becomes pretty quickly not an issue. And he's able to say publicly, by that Ravens game, maybe the Steelers game, it's not bothering him anymore, I feel fine. I hope that's the case. But I am not holding my breath, because I think – I think we have a good enough feel about the NFL having covered the league and and seen this stuff go on for a while, that this is going to be something that potentially lingers. And it's going to invite all those questions, which is going to reduce the level of clarity we have as we start to look
1: to the future. Not a great conversation to be having coming off a massive victory the way the Browns did. And the the victory was driven by a defense that played another historic game. And they're on a historic start, Andrew. Like you see the Browns defense ranked near the top of pretty much every last 20 year metric system that's out there right and that's awesome encouraging it's great the question becomes if you're living in a pj walker driven offense for the next three weeks say um how good does the defense need to be and really what we should be thinking about is for a meaningful season can the browns defense sustain i, I don't think asking them to sustain this historic level is wise i think that You know, I've had conversations with some folks even going on someone's show yesterday and and saying, like, if the Browns were a top three defense beginning of the season, we would have all been elated. But now if they fall out of the top spot, does that feel like a letdown to you? And really, the question is, can they afford that? Because they're three and two with an awful turnover ratio. Um, Now, the defense is getting a ton of punts and that's helping make up for it. But the turnover ratio is in a really bad position and they're able to be three and two largely because of the historic start for the defense. And the question, like I'm saying here, is whether it's three games, five games, seven games, whatever with Watson, like the defense clearly has to be really good. And the question is, do you think they can do that and keep up this pace in order to make ends meet is kind of, I guess, the way to phrase it, because listen, Walker's going to be better. I think Walker seems to be the guy they're going to start for a while here now they're kind of dancing with fire here with the, with the practice squad elevation stuff. They're going to have to put them on the active roster here at some point. But, um, you know, if Walker's the guy, I don't expect the, the last two outings from Brown's quarterbacks have been particularly rough. Some of the worst grades I've ever seen, and they were befitting of those performances. I think the defense uh, skill on the other side is going to decrease, which means they'll probably be a little better offensively. The burden's still in the defense to carry the load here. and uh, And the question is, Do you think they have to continue the historic pace or do you think that burden gets lessened a little bit because the schedule allows the Browns offense to play some weaker defenses? And really the question is, and I, this is a, this is probably a Jake thing, man, because I just like keep fly I have a, I've watched the games, I've consumed them and I love what they're doing, but I don't have it ingrained in my like DNA yet to believe the Browns are every single week a dominating defense, largely because of what we watched last year and the year prior, where, like, they just were such a letdown. And, again, I get everything's changed. We're reframing our thinking, but I just have a hard time, like, lock it in. The Browns are going to be great on defense this week. And that's, again, that's a me issue, but I, I don't know where everybody else stands on that. But my general point is I think they can be pretty good, but I'm curious whether you think they have to be this good to 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 carry themselves to a 10 9-10 win season or in, in in kind of off of that Andrew's just like do you believe they can continue to be this good uh, in general because it's 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 really wild what they're up to right now well and I would add a, a third question which is if the offense
2: continues to be as inconsistent as it is and the defense continues to play at a, at a record-setting pace and the Browns get to that 9-10-11 win area is that long term good for the team or bad for the team? which sounds like a dumb question to ask, but uh, this this is this is you know, these are the big picture thoughts that come from the defense so far masking what has been a really, really poor offensive performance. And I look, I am at the front of the line understanding the reasons of why it has been as poor as it has been, but it has been poor. You can't say it hasn't been. I mean, you mentioned they've lost the turnover battle. In all five games, being three and two, losing the turnover battle in every game is in and of itself quite an accomplishment. So to your first question, I do think that this defense, providing they stay healthy, can keep this up because I think they have kind of struck a specific type of gold here where the the players that Andrew Barry has brought in are all coming together And working together in this scheme in such a way that they don't really have many identifiable weaknesses. And I think what was most notable is that the stuff that the Ravens did to them that looked like a failing, they cleaned up really well against the 49ers. So when you go from, you know, they had a bye week in between, sure. But when you, I mean, this was the number one experience of the Joe Woods defense was teams figured out what works against them, and then it just kept working against them. They could not adjust, did not fix the problems they had over the course of an entire season. Jim Schwartz did it over a bye week. So I expect that the that, that teams will find things that get them yards against the Browns defense, and then, and then Jim Schwartz will come up with answers to that because they don't have real holes in the same way, I mean, in fairness to Joe Woods, in the same way that last year's team did have a real talent, deficiency at defensive tackle and really across the defensive line other than miles garrett this team does not have that problem and so they have assembled i think on a talent basis a a top unit in the league and so that combined with one of the better defensive coordinators in recent history should be enough to keep this as the top unit throughout the season i that is it's not that i expect that but i do think that is a reasonable thing to say at this point
1: how much confidence do you have that the, this gets better, right? We're talking about the defenses are going to be worse, et cetera, et cetera. It's no doubt. Yeah. You can look at so that. We're talking about the offense, yeah. Yeah, so the question yeah. is is generally, do you think they're going to be that much better? I know P.J. Walker has not had many starts. I mean, goodness, it was mm-hmm. it was pretty bad. But do you think Kevin and crew here can get it on track to be a 24-point team over the next two, two to three weeks? Again, going out to Seattle won't be – the most easy venture, but I don't think we can sit here and say, especially down Grover Stewart, the Colts defense. Again, it's a road game in the NFL, which comes with its own set of challenges. But I think the Colts are in the old blackout uniforms, a black helmet and all of that stuff. I think they're getting fancy for Indiana Knights. Indiana Knights, Indiana um, nights. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a challenging environment. And then, you know, the Cardinals come to town the week after Seattle. So I guess, can they like, again, we're asking more confidence because it's hard to project. Yeah. It's just, how much confidence do you have that they can be better offensively over the next three games? to get? Because what we need to see them do, Andrew, is get to six and four. You can get to six and yeah. four. You have a real yeah. chance to still put together a meaningful season, say Watson comes back, Arizona, or the Ravens game after that.
2: Parenthetically, saying Indiana Knights out loud just made me think that the the shoulder patches there should be a, a, a Euchre deck and a bottle of Sprite because that's – I've yeah. known some people from Indiana, and that's pretty much – when you say Indiana Knights – you're talking about a card table, a, a euchre deck, and maybe some some Sprite and some pretzels. That's an Indiana night.
1: I think I could fit in an in Indiana really comfortably. Then,
2: <laughs> yeah, you play a little
1: euchre, dude. I do like euchre, although I prefer yeah. spades instead. It's a little okay. Uh, not not nice. to go on your last name there.
2: No, I mean that's it has been there the whole time. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. I, I mean, I
2: I think it it we should expect it to get better because of the the change of defenses. You know, I I like to use DVOA because of its predictive nature. The Ravens right now are the second best defense by DVOA. Browns are first, of course. And the 49ers are the fifth, right? So the last two games with backup quarterbacks, they've played the second and fifth best defenses in the league. The Colts, the Seahawks, the Cardinals are all bottom half, 16th or worse.
1: And that's even with Seattle getting the benefit of that stat-bumping New York Giants game. So Exactly. Great point.
2: So... So that I, I I feel comfortable saying they're all bottom half of the league defenses. I mean, I think Seattle's secondary is amazing. Yeah, uh, They struggle to rush the passer. They struggle at times to defend the run. I think that the Browns should be able to find answers schematically mm-hmm. against these next three teams that they were not able to find against the uh, Ravens and Colts. The feeling of lining up a screen pass, but then Javon Hargrave runs it down from the backside, that doesn't happen against lower-level NFL defenses. That's specific to what the 49ers and the Ravens do where everybody's flowing to the ball, everybody knows their assignment. You can expect that you'll get some coverage busts, you'll get some missed tackles, you'll get the sort of stuff that just doesn't happen when you're dealing with a real top-end unit. And so it the road should be a little smoother over the next few weeks. Then they get they go on the road to Baltimore and then they have Pittsburgh at home. So it will be another rude awakening. And to the conversation we had earlier, you even if he's in some way limited, you want Watson back for those games just because of the veteran savvy, the understanding of how to beat a defense, all of those things. You do not want to see P.J. Walker on the road to Baltimore
1: like at all. A- absolutely not. That is a that is a recipe for a bad outcome. And I would prefer if I could to see Watson play Arizona so that his first exposure to playing yeah, a game is not on the road. There too. They,
2: they really need him to come back for that home game against Arizona. Right Get on. the feet wet in a comfortable setting. Yeah. So, but I do want to talk, if I can, about this yep. longer-term picture, right? Okay. Because here's my concern. I think you know we talked about this a little bit pre pre show. This defense playing like an average defense. The Browns, with their offensive performance right now, are one and three, or I'm sorry, one and four, maybe two and three. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Losing the turnover battle. If the defense isn't playing at a historic level. I mean, I'm not saying – I'm saying like a league average. I mean, if they are playing like last year's team, the Browns genuinely might be 0-5. But if they are playing like a league average defense, I think they're probably 1-4 or 2-3. and With the offensive struggles the Browns are having, if those continue for the length of the season, the defense is going to mask what would otherwise be a disastrous season that would cost the head coach's job. So we're all hoping that the offense improves. They need to. We just laid out the path for them to improve. But I think that there is – we talked – I said earlier the word is clarity. This year was about clarity for the quarterback. It was also about clarity for the the coaching staff's ability to get the most out of the quarterback. Yeah. And I I think this defensive performance is – you know, provides the potential to – cover up for some pretty grievous sins on the offensive side of the ball. And I think the question that you have to ask is long term is that good or bad for this Browns team as a franchise? Because like and I'm not trying I'm really not trying to make trouble where there isn't any. But the most important question facing this team is still the head coach and the quarterback and their offensive scheme relationship, how they get points. We know what this league is. Deshaun Watson's going to be here for years. And I'll just remind everybody from a statistical perspective, defensive performance is not very reliable year to year. Last year's best defense becomes this year's 12th best defense. It just happens.
1: Yep. It's a fair question. I think it's kind of strange that we've had this question about Kevin for what is three straight seasons. And we have not had the even remote ability to look like the sample side. You can't get that. Like you can't with Mayfield's injury. Decided to let him go. You know what happened last year with the suspension. Now this injury, it's kind of crazy because, again, the the ceiling of this franchise, as you and I spoke on yesterday, where it ultimately can go is tied to how well Kevin and whoever is his quarterback, largely Deshaun into the future here, can carry the offense. Because you have a defense that is good enough to win Super Bowls with, even if they take a step back to top ten instead of historic one, they have a defense good enough to win championships. So if you mm-hmm. if you're saying all we need is the offense to be an upper third offense, right? Doesn't it just needs to be a top ten offense? But you can't quite figure out if you have that ability because you're always having injuries, you're always having something going on. The suspension the year before, you you really can't find that clarity, and that is a lingering thing that is. I mean, it's just uh, the way to phrase it is that it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate to not be able to sort out that clarity. And again, you can you can easily stamp this season with the same level of, well, look what happened. And -hmm. if that's the case, that's hard to make those long term valuations the way you want to. Because, you know, again, if Kevin can't do the things you need him to do as a play caller, an adapter, uh, uh, a leader of men, not just his team, but his coaches then mm-hmm. it's it's unfortunate to not be able to identify cuz there are a lot of people on both sides of the spectrum and I totally understand it. I am not in the fire stevansky crowd. No. I've moved further away from the infallible side of things the way I used to be, but I certainly recognize that there have been a series of unfortunate events here that are making things harder on him and harder on those evaluating him and I think that brings layers to like you again, you said the word clarity and I think it's so right. You want some long-term clarity of, is this group good enough? What we want to know is, it's pretty clear Kevin can lead them to a baseline level.
3: Mm-hmm. seven,
1: 8, 9, he's gone all the way up to 11. They're not going to be a 4-5 or five win team with the group right. they have now. And, they, and that's, you know, with the talent that's level, great. that should be obvious, right? Yeah. We lived in a world where that was a very realistic thing year in, year out. Now, again, right. they've dumped money into this. This goes beyond Kevin, but they have gotten a lot of the stuff in structural place. But what they want to know is, can this coach and play caller because he's intertwined as one lead them to a place offensively that is sustainable for year to year to year and also give us a chance because you are on the forefront of offensive thinking to take us to an Andy Reid a Sirianni um, you know obviously I'm probably forgiving you know Mike McDaniel what we're seeing yep. him do like can he be in the McVays and the Shanahan group because with that level of arrival you do feel like no matter what we have a chance to get to a a historic place to make our seasons always meaningful. And I think the challenge with Watson here is that we again are stuck in our, like the the feet are stuck in the mud about figuring out if that's a thing. And that's like, you know, I catch myself, Andrew, getting grumpy about the offense, but then I have to remember who the quarterback is, what happened. And it's like, it's hard to make a definitive judgment on that. And I know Kevin's contracts coming up soon. So like they have to make that decision soon. Right, That's
2: the key thing to remember here is that, the years passed. You can, you can play the let's run it back. Why not just stick with him and see what happens? The Browns actually have to make a decision this offseason because it is almost unheard of in the NFL for a head coach to go into their final year of their contract. It doesn't yeah. happen. I know Browns fans are not familiar with this because it doesn't ever happen <laughs> in Cleveland, but he is, his contract expires after the 2024 season. Mm-hmm. And typically what happens is prior to that, the offseason before – the coach either receives an extension or is let go because they don't want the job security questions hanging over their head through their final season. Yeah,
1: lame duck coach stuff is not healthy for anybody or no. an organization.
2: Now, I would not put it past this organization to put Kevin Stefanski in that spot because that's you know, that it speaks to the level of faith I have in the ownership group, but mm-hmm. but typically in the NFL, this offseason will be when you have to decide
1: to either hand him an extension or move on. And you're also going to have to make a tough decision because if they continue to be historic, if at the end of the season they have literally done something that no defense has done since the 60s or 70s, in the modern age where quarterback play is better, the game is friendliest to offenses, whether you want to believe it or not, and I originally, Andrew, was not on the side of this, but Jim Schwartz will have teams coming to talk to him. And and they'll have to make a hard choice there because – It's clear that I think as you look around the NFL, there is no single coordinator or assistant coach hire who has made a more meaningful impact than Jim Schwartz has in Cleveland leading this defense. So there is a conversation to be had there, and we all know the quarterback loves a specific coordinator um, Mm -hmm. located over in Washington. So I'm just saying, like, we're not planning any chaos here, but these are real-life decisions that the Browns are going to have to make in the coming months. And, this, and the yeah. lack of clarity, like you're talking about, is yeah. the most frustrating element of all of that. So there we go. That's the that's the purpose of talking about it. Is it's not
2: to worry people. It's not to cause panic. It's to to clarify the stakes, right? Yeah. Because we have to. You know, there are like think about it this way. In 2021, the Browns were having a bummer year. Mayfield's shoulder was hurt and the defense was not playing well. And then over the last month of the season, they got a little bit hot, they played some good games, and they brought Joe Woods back for 2022. Yep. Well, think about what this team last year looks like if they made the right decision and moved on from Joe Woods after 2021. After two seasons of data that he wasn't good enough. That team last year with a good defense, a defense playing not to this level, but even just to a competent level, is a playoff team. Yep. So the Browns, Because they misjudged the defensive coordinator question, missed out on a chance to go to the playoffs last year. That's the sort of, these seasons are short, and the opportunity for gathering data is short. So you need clarity. And right now, what's happening with the Browns is a classic case of, this is cool, this is great, we love this defense. What's going on with the quarterback? What's going on with the offense? And we're not seeing the full picture, and we desperately need to.
1: Yeah, we're getting to results, but the process can be forgotten as a part of the results, right? We talk about that all the time on this show, and um, they need to have some clarity in process. So we'll see if they yep. get it. All right, on the way out the door, we always do our predictions on um, Saturday's show, but we never do Thursday game. We should do the Thursday mm. game. So Jags mm. are at the Saints tonight. Trevor mm. Lawrence, questionable. Seems like he's going to play, though, is what mm. I hear. And it's the yep. Saints minus one. Who are you taking in that one? This is in New Orleans? This is in New Orleans, according to what I have on ESPN here. Yeah. Yep. No,
2: I just was clarifying because the yep. minus one. Uh I'll take the Jags plus a point. I mean, they're a better team than the Saints. I guess playing in New Orleans Thursday night home game maybe gives them a little boost, but I don't think the Saints are on the same level as the Jags.
1: Well, we got two people taking the Jags. I love nice. it. Christian Kirk, collect me some fantasy points. Shout out to you. <laughs> Etienne, get a couple touchdowns. That'd be great. We're out of here. Thanks to you guys for stopping by. Uh, sorry this came out a little bit late but you know last night passed out put my son to sleep you know that that you, you start laying down with the kiddos man and before you know it it's 11 o'clock and you text somebody and say hey man sorry fell uh, fell asleep there and podcasts don't get recorded so generally we try to record at night but we're going to do an early morning for you and hopefully you enjoyed this pod thanks for stopping by Rate and review on your way out if you can. And then stop by and join the OBR for a dollar your first month. We appreciate you very much. Thanks to Andrew. Thanks to you guys. We'll catch you on Friday with Behind Enemy Lines. We have a Colts guest who will give us some good insights. So check in for that. And I'm going to try to, in the open of that, answer any unanswered mailbag questions that we did not get to or some that have trickled in a little bit late, so I'll try to cover that. And then we'll have Andrew's podcast with me on Saturday where we look ahead at the lines and college stuff as well. And then on uh, Sunday, we will check in with Brad Ward. So it's all coming up pretty quickly as the Browns are going to travel to face the Colts. So thanks for being here. Have a great Thursday and go Browns.